Praise you, Lord. It's good to be in his house today, isn't it? Good to be together. It's good to be together. It's good to gather always. And we just thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Your word says that you are in the midst of us, Lord God, as we gather. Holy Spirit, you came with us and you're going to leave with us. You don't just show up because we showed up. You came with us. And we just, Lord, again, we just pray for a softness in our hearts, Lord, that we would be willing to listen to you and direct us, Lord, lead us today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Who's excited for God's word today? I'm excited. And, and, you know, the thing is about following God is that, uh, as I've been saying the last couple of weeks, that there are mountaintops and there are valleys, isn't there, in God? That's just the, the way it is. There are seasons in God. Sometimes it's amazing walking with God, and sometimes it's very hard to walk with God, isn't it? And we just have to keep going. We have to keep trusting Him. If you read your word, this is why we have to read our word. And don't just assume that you already know His word, but just keep reading it and be reminded of it. Um, because if you read His word, and don't just listen to what your mind says a Christian should be. If you listen to your mind of what a Christian should be, and you listen to even sometimes other preachers, and I don't ever name names, I don't name denominations, because that's not what I'm here to do, to bash. But sometimes you can even listen to preachers, and they can even be good preachers, but they get into your mind. The devil even uses their good words and it gives you this false picture of what a Christian is and where you should be. And I should have done this already and I should have accomplished this and I should be there and I'm here and so on. And you can feel burdened uh, sometimes and, and it's actually a false perception sometimes in your mind. If you read the characters in your word, I mean, you can read from Genesis through Revelation, John on the Isle of Patmos and what I hear when I read their stories is people that have no idea where they're going and no idea how to get there, but they trust God and he knows. But so many times as Christians, we think uh, I, that everything's going to be crystal clear and it's going to be easy and all the steps are going to be ordered. And sometimes we have a false perception of what peace is. We think that peace in God is never having a struggle, never facing any obstacles, uh, never ever feeling down, feeling heavy, feeling sad, etc. But peace, a God peace, is that fact that you have all those things happening and you feel those things and you are fully aware of the world we live in and yet you continue anyway. You just keep trusting God anyway. And that's what the men of God even the women of God of our, our Old and New Testament did, that's the true Christian, that's the true walk after God. I just felt compelled to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you that God is going to do it, but you have to go through it. Everybody, I want you to say it out loud. God's going to do it, but you have to go through it. God just gave me that. I was just talking to Dan, and I said, trying to express to Dan so what I want to try to preach today. And I was like, you know, and I just said it. I just said that line out to him. It's like it's almost like God's going to do it, but you have to go through it. 
And I walked away. I said, that's good. I got to walk away. And I walked away and I wrote it down in the notes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was laughing because I just told him, I said, I was listening to this other preacher and he's always got such clever lines to really catch your attention. And we don't want to be sucked away by cleverness and, and sucked away by, you know, funny stuff. But there's nothing wrong with those things either. Sometimes then, then we go the other way and it's like, oh my gosh, he said something funny, you know, heresy. And, and, and we don't want to go there either. Uh, but I was like, Lord, you know, you, I never get those. I never get those. I have the word and, and, and that's so, I mean... I have his word, and that's all that I need, and I come with his word, and most of it's, you know, in the heat of the moment. But I said, Lord, I never know beforehand those, those little clever things that just help us to kind of link to his word. It helps our human mind link to what he's already doing in our spirit. And then, and then I had to laugh because he gave it to me right before the sermon while I was talking to Dan. So, and, uh, and I have to say that because he won't let me be prideful and think that I thought of that on my own. So I have to tell you that I didn't think of it. It just came out of my mouth. It was the Holy Spirit. And that's, I want to say it again, because I really believe that is what he wants to speak to you today. God's going to do it, but you have to go through it. And it's this perception that, uh, that I'm, I'm facing something, so there must be something wrong in my life right now. I don't know where God is, so... I must have walked away or he abandoned me. And it's just a lie from the devil. Everybody say it's a lie from the devil. It's a lie. In fact, not only is it a lie, but if you truly know your word, I believe that God does it on purpose. God goes quiet on purpose in his word all the time. Sometimes for 20, 30 even 400 years with the Israelites. Because will you trust what I said to you last time? Will you trust what I told you before? Or do you constantly need, you know, some sort of emotional encouragement every second of every day? Or will you just hold on to who I am and what I said to you before? So I'm, I don't wish for him to do it all the time, but he, I believe that he does do it on purpose. And then other times when the devil has come to uh, get you bogged down, get you burdened, and get the voice of God cloudy, uh, those times are allowed by God as well, not so that we stay there, but so that we look to his word anyway. We choose not to listen to the lies. We choose not to... Uh, to embrace what we can clearly see and what the world around us would say, you're crazy if you don't believe this is the reality, but we choose to believe his word anyway. And then on the other side, we find out that it was, in fact, alive from the enemy. But only then do we find it on the other side. Only when we've gone through it. It's part of the walk. It's part of the call. Everybody say it's part of the call. That you have to go through it. God's going to help us. Redemption is coming. But we must keep going. We must endure to the end. That's the word of the Lord for 2020. And for this season. I, he put in my spirit last week. Luke 21. Verse 28. In the New King James. It says. Look up. 
Everybody say, look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. God is faithful. He has not abandoned us. And whatever it is that you've been believing for, it might be something in you personally. It might be something in your marriage. It might be something in your family. It might be something uh, in your, your, uh, your children. It might be something in your workplace. It might be something that you've been believing for certain people to get through things or, or to come to Christ. And God is faithful. God's going to do it. He's going to do it. But in the meantime, it doesn't look like it. Right now, if you were to use your perceptions, if you were to use your emotions, if you were to use your intellect, all of those things would tell you that it's never going to happen, that it's a lie. I even told you last week that, thank God that I'm so grounded in his word, because otherwise I could see, I can, I can sense in the spirit this this uh, appalling by the enemy like never before uh, to doubt God, even to doubt his existence. And we remember this just this last year, wasn't too long ago that that preacher in California, my age, a young preacher uh, committed suicide. A preacher of the gospel feels like there's no hope and leaves a wife and children behind and a congregation behind. That's how heavy duty the enemy is to try to bring a hopelessness. Now, see, here's the thing. What he was facing is real. It's real. And what he was feeling is real. And we're all feeling it. We all just put on facades. We're all facing something, but we just put on a facade that we're not facing anything, that our issue, you know, is lesser or greater than someone else's. You know, it's easier for them, harder for me, or... Or vice versa sometimes. But the reality is we're all facing things. And it's not that those things don't exist. It's that we can't focus on those things. You cannot look at those things as if they are your forever reality. But either A, it's temporary to bring about a strength in you. So that you have to rely on Christ and not yourself any longer. Uh, or, or B, you know, there, there are, this is a cosmic war. And A kind of comes into place with B because then you really have to rely on him. But there is a war. In fact, I was meditating on this this fall. The Holy Spirit said something to me, and I, and I posed the question to someone, and, I, and I've been thinking about it for months because it's such a heavy-duty question. And the question was, uh, did I want Hitler to be crushed in World War II? Did I want us to win and that demonic thing that was trying to come over the earth to be crushed? And it was a very quick question, of course, Lord, of course you did. And the second question was, well, why did it take so long? You think that God has any lack of power right now? It's because there is such a war. God's going to win, and he won, didn't he? And we're going to go into other ones. I don't know what's going on for time. I don't know if we're going to have World War III, and that's it, or we're going to have World War VII, and Jesus finally comes back. I don't know what this world's going to bring. All we know is that things will come. Times of peace will come, times of war, times of famine, times of struggle, times of peace again, and so on. 
But finally, it, all of time and everything that we've experienced, etc., will be wrapped up like a scroll. We'll have a new heaven and we have a new earth. Heaven uh, and, and hell, uh, even, even they are made, uh, in one respect, brand new. Uh, death and Satan and so on are thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. We know that. God wins. But there is a cosmic struggle. And you have to be aware of that, Christian. In fact, uh, I wasn't going to preach on this, but it's coming out of my spirit. Where Peter says, don't be surprised by this fiery trial. And I heard a preacher commentary on it. He said, the, great, the biggest surprise is that we're surprised. And it's so true. Because Christians shouldn't be surprised. He told us to be, not be surprised, and yet we're still surprised when things come and we face things. You have to understand that there is a power struggle that God wins in, but nonetheless, there is still a struggle. Come on, it's your word. Every single person in this entire Bible, including Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had a power struggle while on this earth. Jesus won. Come on. The devil thought he won, just like, man, you know, when Hitler seemed like he was taking over the whole world. And like, this thing is, this is not good. And if I was living then, I would have said, he's the Antichrist. Get yourself ready. Get your food. Get your water. Whatever you got to do uh, for just, just to survive. Not that that's your hope, but uh, you need to repent now. This is it. Because it was dark and heavy. And every single family, American family across the U.S. lost at least one person in, within their immediate or cousin or mother or as a nurse. Or, I mean, there was, there was so much death and loss, and yet there was victory. But if you were to focus on the death and the loss, it would seem like, where's God in that? And that's the devil. That's the lie of the enemy. Because we still have this facade in our minds of it's only God if it's perfect. But what is perfect? Perfect is only heaven. Come on. Jesus is the only one perfect. Jesus said there's no one good. Not one. So if our perception is based upon some sort of false heavenly perfection here on the earth, you will constantly be in turmoil. You will never, ever have peace. You'll never, ever trust God if you look at your circumstances. I'd love to stand here and tell you as a preacher, and some preachers do, that you will never face anything again because Jesus is now on your side. But when I read my Bible and I read the New Testament, every single apostle and then the disciples that continued and then church history. And you can read Josephus who writes about the history and, and, and so on. You're going to find that they all faced incredible opposition and struggle. And yet here we are today because of that struggle. You realize the Bible did not exist for hundreds of years. At the very least, we have some sort of a compilation of Bible 300 years after Christ, which means that somebody, and a lot of somebodies, had to die 
and to pay a price and to keep pushing and to keep going and to keep enduring against all opposition that said, this is a cult, this is craziness, where's this new God coming from, who is this Jesus? They said to Paul, we don't know, you know, this Jesus, who is your God? We've got plenty of gods already. And there was this endurance, there was this pushing through, and God got his word to us today. Who's thankful for that? That's why it says in Hebrews 12, 2, it says we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I love how the NIV says it, because it says, let us run with perseverance, verse 1, the race marked out for us, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's okay, I don't know if we have that NIV in there, but verse 2 says, fixing our eyes. Everybody say fix. You need to make a decision today to fix your eyes on Jesus. And I got into what that was last week. You can listen to last week's podcast. I don't want to re-preach last week, although I don't know what the Holy Spirit's about to preach, so it might be last week in the next minutes. I'm not sure, but you can go and listen to that. But we need to choose to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because the enemy right now is trying to get you to fix your eyes on anything and everything else. I just heard, let me just try to get this right. They said that this generation has given something to the tune of, we have given the most attention out of any generation to the least amount of attention. We're so distracted, we're so everywhere, our cell phone has us pulled away that we don't even have human interaction fully anymore. Our conversation is broken up. It's not even a full conversation. Our prayer time is not even undistracted because it's broken up by beeps and alerts and buzzes and etc. If we don't get this right now, we're going to lose. God doesn't lose. Come on, God doesn't lose. But we want to be on the winning side. God's going to win. There are those that choose to stay with him and those that fell away. That's the word of God as well. And that's a sad, 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 sad reality of his word. But there are many that walked away. It says in Hebrews 12.3 in the Amplified, it says... Just think, and everybody say, think. We need to get our minds right. We need to have our eyes on him, and you need to have your mind set on him. We need to remember what Jesus did. It says, think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. It says, reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. If we choose to look to Christ and choose to remember what he did and then put his story 
the price he paid, put his opposition next to our opposition, our trial gets real small, doesn't it? In fact, you know, this is such a very, very, very tiny, tiny, small, not even worth bringing up example, but sometimes when it's really hot outside and I'm working in the heat, or it's really cold or miserable, it's raining, it's snowing, whatever, and I'm out there working. I try to think of a guy in the Army or a Navy SEAL somewhere who is suffering willingly and way, way, way worse than me. Or I picture World War II where they're in those trenches and they've got trench foot for weeks on end, and I'm going to be home in a few hours in warm, dry clothes, eating a nice warm meal with the comforts of today. I mean... And it makes you feel really dumb for complaining at all. But when you're in it, come on, we need perspective. Everybody say, you need perspective. The devil's trying to get us to look with such small, skewed vision. He's trying to look, get you to look at uh, this, this little tiny life right here. And not just life itself, but your life as if no one else has lived it as if Jesus didn't live it, and as if there's not a heaven after. He's trying to get you to focus on the smallest, most dumb, insignificant things to get your eyes off of the things that really matter. But it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, you must have the same attitude. Everybody say the same attitude. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him. This is verse 8, now 9. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Verse 12, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So the comparison is that we have the same attitude as Christ, and if you read those verses in there, but for sake of time, I skipped them, you can go and look yourself in Philippians 2. What he, the price he paid and what he did, and he humbled himself and he took his godness off of him and became man. And it says in verse 13, for God is working in you. Say, God's working in me. Giving you the desire, say the desire, and say, and the power. He gives us the desire and he gives us the power to do what pleases him. In fact, it says in the Amplified, it says, it says that he infuses me. This is actually Philippians 4, verse 13. He infuses us with inner strength. He infuses us with inner strength. So, verse 13 says in chapter 2, God is working on, in us, giving us His will, giving us a desire, and giving us 
the power. We need to understand something. We need to understand something that when we look to Christ, that we, if we don't uh, stop looking around and stop thinking on our own and stop making decisions, you know, you are constantly making micro decisions inside yourself. You don't even know it. You are constantly breaking apart stuff. You're breaking apart the way someone walks. You're breaking apart the way they talk. You're breaking apart the way they drive. You know who that is driving that car just on, based on how they're driving. Come on, you know it's true. And yet, that's not real. It's real in a sense of the earthly sense. But we need to think. We need to have an attitude change. We need to have a mind change. When we look to Christ, it's not just looking at what he did. It's not just looking at the price he paid, but it's looking at him and letting him change the way you see, change the way you think, change your attitude. Because that's what his word says he does. It's telling us to have the attitude like him. And then it tells us, verse 12, that we're going to work hard to show the results. So we're working hard, but it's in obedience. We're working hard, but working hard in obedience. And as we do that, our desires and our will changes. If you make a decision based on human desire, you're going to get a human result. And what does the word tell us? That equals death. Your flesh, your human desires, they always lead to death. That's, in fact, that's why the flood came, and that's why Jesus is going to come again, because the human heart is deceitful. It's a liar. It's... It, it, it's, it's uh, so easily swayed by perception and by the enemy. And if you try to rely on your senses, on your feelings, on what you see, on what you think, you will fail. But how do we look to Christ? We look to his word. And his word, 99.9% .9 of the time, will be opposite of what the world says is normal of what the world says is how you're going to get through this situation. In fact, uh, when, when we, we need, what we do is we take. That's the animal nature, right? An animal doesn't care. The, if, the other, if that's the other animal, you know, just, we're just joking about squirrels before a service and take, stealing nuts and out of the, and and I, I wa you can watch them. They run around. They chase. They're chasing each other because hey, that's my nut. And they don't care. They're gonna take what they need. And yet the Lord says in His Word, if you need, then give. And you can find that principle over and over and over again. In fact, just coming to me in my spirit, uh, that the the prophet came to the woman and he said to her. Uh, you know, she's got nothing. I'm going to die. This is it. And he's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to give to God first, and then you won't have any more need. Now, our human mind says that's ridiculous. I just told you, I don't have enough to live. So her spirit had to trust God and trust his word versus her natural intellect. Her, her eyes can look right in front of you. I, I don't know what you're saying, but this is what I have. I can see it. And this is what I know. And this is what I feel. And you can't tell me I don't feel what I feel. You can't tell me I don't know what I know. And yet God is not like us. God is so much greater and farther above us. And Jesus, the, what we're seeing in these verses is he was able to do what he did. He's not just because he's God, because he became human. But he chose to look at God. He chose to withdraw from this world and rely on the Father and on the truth of God's word that Satan comes and tries to tempt him just like he tempts us. And Jesus goes to the word. When we look to Jesus, we're looking to his word. That's who Jesus is. Everybody say Jesus is the word. If you want to look to Jesus, you look to his word. Jesus is the word made flesh. It's not just, and I said this last week and I want to say it again, it's not just you in your prayer time for five minutes before your day saying, I'm going to focus on you today and then you look with your spiritual eyes into some heavenly place at Jesus. I'm not saying you can't do that in your prayer time. I'm just saying that's not it. That's not you looking at Jesus because the very first situation that comes, you can do that all you want, but what he's going to say to you in your spirit is, what does my word say how to handle this situation? That's what's going to happen. You can have, you, if you want to close your eyes and look at, not look at the person, I'm going to look in heaven, I'm going to look at Jesus in heaven right now, I'm going to look to him, that's fine, you can do that, but that's not it. It's, this is what his word says how to handle this situation, that's looking to Jesus. It's not, I can treat you however I want because Jesus paid the price for me, gave me grace, I can just do whatever I want, I can live however I want, devil, doesn't matter what you say, what you do, you're not going to, you can't do anything to me. You can say that, and then he's going to conquer you. Devil's going to conquer you. You can look at the devil and say, Jesus did it for me. You can't touch me. And he's going to conquer you. Because unless you do what Jesus said to do, if you look at the devil and say, you can't touch me, but then you go out and you steal your neighbor's car and you get arrested and you go to jail, you can't say, well, thank God for the grace of God. Jesus says, yeah, I still love you. That doesn't change that. We're going to deal with this, but you still have the consequences of your actions. Everybody say it's your actions. It's not just that we, uh, that we uh, make declarations. Come on, I'm just, I'm just dealing with some Christian, uh, some perceptions, some fallacies. You can declare all you want, but unless you do what the Word says, unless you look at the Word and do what it says, you're going to keep slipping back into trouble. Everybody said, I don't want to slip back into trouble. It says that God is working in you, giving you his will. Everybody say his will. And the power. Everybody say, and the power. To do what pleases him. Jesus had power over Satan 
because he said, not my will. Everybody, you need to get this. And, and I prefaced this whole sermon with saying, I'm not going to stand here and tell you you're not going to have opposition just because you're walking right. All right, this is, this is not about the opposition happening. This is about you now having victory over it. Everybody say, this is having victory over it. All right, I'm not telling you, all right, that's why I started the sermon. Let's just get this, just, just get this straight. You're going to have opposition. You are in a fallen world. You have a fallen nature, and you have an enemy. It's how we handle it. Everybody say, it's how we handle it. It's how we deal with it, right? And Jesus dealt with a human reactions. He dealt with human situations by walking away, right? They're going to kill him. He just walks away. He could have stood there and defended himself. Don't you think Jesus had the right to defend himself when they're going to push him off the cliff? You know what he does? He just walks away. Jesus said, when they cursed him and ripped out his beard and nailed him to a cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's why the cross had so much power. It's not just that he was the son of God, but he was the son of God submitted to the father who did the will of the father and laid down his life. That's what the father had ordained. And the, the devil tried ins and outs to try to touch him and could not touch him. We have become partners with God. Everybody say we become partners with him. Jesus had an agreement with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They were partners, weren't they? There was a working together from heaven to the earth. Jesus was the, the uh, if, if I can just use human words, to, how do you explain it? But he was the picture of God in heaven on the earth. It's so much greater. You know, you, you can't really describe it in human words. And the Holy Spirit was this connection between them. Right, the Holy Spirit came, and then the power of God started coming through Jesus. Jesus already had learned. Even Jesus was studying the scriptures. Even Jesus, he's the son of God. Why does he have to study? Come on, church, don't listen. That's a lie from the devil. I know this is like maybe something you have to go and listen to later. I don't know if this, this today's sermon is something you could just sit here and get all at once because the Lord's got so many little, it's like nuggets today. Are we getting the same thing? <laughs> You feel like that? Maybe you need to go and listen later. I'm sorry, because me preaching, I feel the same way. So you listening, I feel for you. But the, and now I lost my train of thought. I had it. I know where I was going. Yeah, so he was studying in the word as a young boy. And it's a lie from the devil that says, you don't need to read your word. It's a lie from the devil that says, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to be around other Christians. You don't need to, to, to watch uh, other preachers. You don't need to listen to, to some wholesome stuff sometimes. Netflix is fine. That's enough Bible. That's all the Bible you need. It's a lie from the devil. Even Jesus, even Jesus submitted himself to the word. He knew the word. Come on, he had power, didn't he? Did he have power just because he's Jesus? No, he had power because he submitted to the word. I know this sounds kind of like heresy because you're like, well, it's Jesus. But you have to get the Jesus in heaven part out of your mind for, for some time. Because for 33 years, he pushed that aside. That's what it says there in Philippians. 
did not consider himself equal with God for a time, for a purpose. He lowered himself down to be a human like us and then walked in the power of God through the Holy Spirit. The very same thing that then he models, to, that he gives to his apostles. Now you wait, the Holy Spirit will help you to do what I did on the earth. And then, don't. it's not just you, 12. It's not just you. Come on, it's not just you, 12, and then it was done, but you go and you replicate. Go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples of what? Disciples that look just like you, just like I made you, which is a picture of someone who has given their lives away, who has submitted to Christ, submits to his word, doesn't matter what I feel, what I think, I could deal with this right now, Jesus, with a sword, and I can cut off Peter's ear. That would be really, I mean, cut off, I'm sorry, Peter cuts off the ear, right? And I can just deal with this. And the Lord's like, no, puts his ear back on. That's not the way we're going to deal with this. And so we have a picture of a, of a people that submitted to God, who trusted in God, who let the Holy Spirit lead them instead of their impulses, instead of the rage inside them. And they changed the world. And then gave us the word so that then we could do the same exact thing amen i'll amen myself on that one <laughs> it's not me i'll just close with these statements because we could just just keep going who wants to keep going till three but we have become partners too this is just some statements to meditate on today we need to be in this place with God, and this is it. And I'm just, just dealing with a lot of perceptions, just a lot of things, uh, just, just very, very quickly, and maybe we'll read them in the next week or so, but if not, I just want to say them. You remember the story where Elisha and his servant and Syria's king is going to come, and they're going to, I have it here, but just very quickly, he, he's tired of, Elisha keeps telling uh, Every time this king strategizes to do a war move against Israel, he just speaks in the spirit. He, he tells the king exactly what this other foreign king's about to do. So he gets angry. They finally find out who it is. He's going to come deal with them. So here's this army, and they're standing out front of the house of Elisha. And his servant here with him is afraid. And he says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. He says, there's more for us than there's against us. And he opens his eyes, and there's this amazing army there. And there's more to the story. It's a great story. Go and read it. Uh, but the, the, the point why I just brought that up right now is that, that, that God is with us. It doesn't matter what you see, what you feel, what you think. God still, he is dealing with issues. God is dealing with situations. He wants us to look to him. doesn't want you to look at the thing. And by looking at him, you have to look to his word. You're going to have to trust like you've never trusted before. Because his word in this world are going to get further and further and further apart. It'll be harder for you, as I said last week, than ever before to trust God's word. Because it's going to look more and more dumb, according to, uh, quote-unquote, uh, not real science. You know, science, the real science is study of God. Yeah. But I don't believe in God. I believe in science. It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, but that, that gap's going to get bigger. And we're going to have to trust him like it never before. And we need the same thing. We need the Lord to open our eyes. We're going to have to just pray 
this, this, in this season for him to do the same thing for us. Lord, I pray that we would see what we really have behind us, that you're with us, and that this enemy's got nothing on us. And, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to face it, because I promise you, you're going to face it as part of the kingdom of God, but you're going to get through it. And so I just want to close with these statements, so I'm trying to get to this. We need to be in a place with God where it's our faith, but it's his faithfulness. Okay, it's a partnership. It's our repentance, but it's his forgiveness. Right, it's our mouth, but it's his word. It's our lives, but it's God's life. Okay, this is how Jesus lived. It's our surrender and God's provision. It's in a place where we're resting, but we're not lazy. We're diligent, but we're not striving. <laughs> You're going to have to meditate on that, because how do I preach that? God's going to do it, but you have to go through it. Just keep going and keep going and keep going. That's what the men of the word did. And every single obstacle, every single thing you're facing right now, you're going to face, you choose to believe his word. And I'm, I don't want to tell you this, but I have to tell you this. It might be 20 years before you see the evidence of the Lord's faithfulness. It might not be until eternity. You might have to die first before you actually see it. But I promise you, because that's what his word says, you will see his faithfulness. Come on, you know how many disciples probably, as they were being martyred, thought, this is it? I mean, they were thankful in one sense, but I, this, my life is over. What did it accomplish? You the devil lying to them in those last moments, not knowing that we have the word of God because of the price they paid. You don't even know what price you're even paying. Just keep going. Just keep staying faithful. Keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word. And I just pray, Lord, you supernaturally planted down deep in our hearts. I just pray, Lord, you'd put it in fertile soil, that you break up the hard ground, Lord God, right now. And I thank you, Lord, this word is not falling on the footpath. It's not going to get choked out, Lord Jesus, but it's going to get down into that deep Lord, even those, that dark earth inside of us, Lord God, to those dark places inside of us, and it's going to grow and sprout life for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.